I'm honored to share what God has put in my heart with you. And my prayer today, this morning, is that you really receive what God has to say. And we're going to be talking a bit about spiritual warfare and using the word of God to your advantage and kick the devil out of your life. And some of the things I'll be sharing may, you know, touch home. Some of the things may be exactly what's going on in your own personal life. I really don't know. If it's the case and you're offended, I'm going to say praise God. (laughs) Because when we're offended, it gives us an opportunity to either get bitter or get better, right? And there's an old saying from somebody I heard a long time ago that God will offend the mind to reveal the heart. And when God offends your mind, I know in this day's society, you know, if somebody says, I'm offended, then they expect everybody to change around them until they're happy, right? That's a very selfish form of, you know, it does a reversing effect of being healed. In God's word, in many of the scriptures, it says that when you're offended and God reveals your heart that way, it's an opportunity for you to get healed. And that's what I hope is gonna happen today. If there's certain things or certain areas in your life and you say, hmm, this is me, I encourage you to say, God, do what you gotta do in my life. Amen? Charlene asked me uh, yesterday, you know, (laughs) my wife, I call her the Holy Spirit sometimes, but anyway, (laughs) as a joke, you know, sometimes God speaks through you through your spouse, right? So anyway, she asked me, are you nervous? Because technically the last time I preached was three years ago. And uh, prior to that, Charlie and I uh, planted a church. We pastored it 14 years. We knew that our time was up. We organized things to pass it on to somebody else. And hopefully, you know, my ceiling will be their, their footstep and move on with it. So I probably, I think 700 sermons I preached within uh, 14 years. And... I was reminded of my first time I spoke, and there's a little lesson here, and I just felt like sharing that. I don't really know why, but it was in Fenland Falls, Ontario. My presbyter um, invited me to speak at their church, and um, I was getting ordained, so I was in that process of getting ordained. My denomination is very relational, so you know it's not you know what's on paper that counts. It's let's meet you and build a relationship. So, you know, there's a courtesy when you go speak somewhere else. You know, if the church is Hawaiian shirts and shorts, then you would wear that. In this case, this is quite a few years ago, it was a church where people, you know, wore neckties and suits when they were preaching. So I own one suit, you know, and (laughs) as I get bigger, well, I change pants and anyway, (laughs) release the blouse a bit. So um, I'm all pumped, eh? So I had 11 pages printed, like I printed pretty well every word I was, you know, saying. So I get there, and he invited me to stay at his place, very encouraging and loving people. Like, these people in Finland are like the salt of the earth. Anyway, so I kept rehearsing the message all the time. I'd be in my bedroom reading it over and over again, make sure my suit is perfect and my shoes are shiny and... So then uh, the next morning we get up, we go to church. As soon as I saw the church building, then the butterflies started and I'm getting all sweaty. Sitting down in front, the worship's going on. The worship leader introduces me to come up. As soon as he said that, my armpits were like just dripping. You know, my forehead, I could just feel it. My face red like a tomato. So I'm coming up and I turn around and I see the crowd. The place was packed. Like, it was full of people. So, you know, I've got my, my papers, you know, I'm kind of like this. And I put them on the podium, and I'm, you know, hopefully nobody noticed. I'm sure people did. And here I am in front of my presbyter, and I'm supposed to impress him, right? I'm supposed to say, you know, I know how to preach or speak or whatever. So then I grab my 11 pages. They're in front of me. And everything is silent. Nobody's saying anything. Every eyeball is staring at me. And then I split my papers, and I have the introduction, and I have the conclusion, 
and I've got absolutely nothing in between. I only had two pieces of paper. Man, did the armpits ever go after that. I could feel the sweat off my eyebrows. Back then I wore just reader's glasses. My glasses were getting foggy. And I'm just like, what am I going to (laughs) do? So anyway, the neat thing about this story is the word of God was invested in my heart. And I just went for it. No notes. My first time ever doing a real sermon in front of people. And it went really well. I was sweating all the way through. Don't let me... You know, my knees were going like this. I was really nervous. But God took care of something in that day. And I learned a lesson, even though back then I didn't have the maturity, you know, as you grow in the things of God. I learned quickly that when you invest the Word of God in your heart, that could mean reading the same verse for a year. And I've done that. Proverbs 4.23. We'll talk about that maybe later, maybe next week, not sure. Sometimes you, you have to read verses over and over and over again because the Word of God is living and active. It does something. It's not just letters on paper. It is spiritual. And that's why when the Apostle Paul is talking in the scripture, uh, in the next scripture, oh, there we go. When he talks about spiritual warfare, he tells us, you know, to get dressed in the armor, you know, and you, you can picture that. Uh, many of us have been in Sunday school classes where, you know, you got the little soldiers dressed up, the Roman soldiers. And then at this part here, Ephesians six seventeen, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we all know that the sword of the Spirit represents the Word of God. It's an offensive weapon. It's a weapon you use to cut and slash the lies of the enemy because the Word of God says that the lies of the enemy are like flaming darts. The darts hit you, the flames burn you, and the smoke distorts your mind. It distorts the way you see things. And that's how the enemy operates, right? So, and the sword just cuts those before they get at you. But I wondered, and this was just a few days ago, how come the helmet of salvation is in the same sentence? And, you know, the neat thing about the Word of God is you can read the same verse a thousand times, but at the right time you'll read a verse and something will hit you. You know what I mean? I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. So something struck me there. Don't you find it strange that in the days we're living in, there's a huge attack on the identity of mothers, fathers, our own children, sexuality, like that's messed up, right? The things going on today, I mean, like, if I wanna be a cat, I'm a cat, you know what I mean? Like, and society's supposed to accept that. And it, it kinda occurred to me that the Word of God, which is spirit, and you're using the sword of the spirit, protects your mind. It protects what's going on in here. And your identity is what you, you know, what you believe, right? So when you put on the helmet of salvation, you're saying, I'm saved. I'm bought by the blood of the Lamb, regardless of what I did yesterday, this morning, 10 years ago, you know, whatever happened in my past, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and I'm saved. And as long as we use the sword of the Spirit to our advantage, and that's going to be the meat of the message this morning, to our advantage, we can fight every single battle in, in line with prayer, every single battle. And as we learn to use the sword of the Spirit, our mind gets renewed. And salvation, as you wear the helmet of salvation, It's your identity in Christ. Because you know as well as I do that when you mess up, the first thoughts going into your mind is, see, you're not a real Christian. You're not really saved, right? Yes? No? Yeah? Okay. All right. 
thought I was the only one that would feel that way. I'm glad there's identification. <laughs> yeah. So, I, it made me think, helmets. Like, why would he use the, you know, the analogy of a helmet? And it's, you know, even those of you far away back there, if you see this, and it's on my head, what am I? Celebrate. <laughs> I was waiting for when you'd bring that up. I'm sure everybody was surprised, right? Anyway. anyway. So I'm a hockey player, right? When I put that on, it says I'm a hockey player, right? I don't have to say anything. I don't have to run up and down and scream and say, I'm a hockey player. This will tell me or tell you that I'm a hockey player without me saying anything, right? Let me get a little bit weirder. Is that a weird word, weirder? So this is, what is this? So if I'm putting this on, what am I? A welder, right? Hopefully, yeah. This is my, the one I use underneath vehicles, so when I burn, it doesn't touch me, but all right. So we're on the right track. If I got this puppy here. It's a hard hat, so I work in what? Constructions. I don't have to tell you if I put that on my head. I'm working in construction. One more, one last one. Can anybody guess what it is? No, no. I was in the army for many years. This was actually my helmet in Bosnia, my second tour. But anyway, so if I got this on my head, it tells you I'm a soldier, right? And I don't have to say anything. That's a soldier right there. When you decide, now really, Catch this, when you decide to put on your helmet of salvation, where you say, I am saved, I am healed, I'm walking in your promises, this is who I am. When you choose to do that, you put on your helmet of salvation and then you take the sword of the spirit and you start fighting, the enemy recognizes you. You've got your helmet of salvation the blood of the lamb, and you start knowing how to swirl your, is that a word, swirl? <laughs> Using your sword, you start knowing how to use your sword. The enemy, you're coming at the enemy, and you're saying, you're gonna take your hands off my kids. You're gonna take your hands off my life. You're gonna take your hands off my friends, my church, my, you know, whoever else, whatever else. You're gonna take your hands off. Because I am saved, I am bought by the blood of the Lamb, you don't have to say a single word, the enemy sees it and he trembles. So if the devil can figure out a way to disarm you and say, you know what, you don't need the sword of the Spirit, you don't need to word, read the Word of God, you're saved. Then you don't use that weapon and then the darts hit you. Yes, you have armor, but eventually you wear out. And all these flaming darts that hit you, eventually they hurt. And eventually the smoke will deceive you and distract you. All right, so that's why the two, the helmet and the sword work together. Amen? Amen. You, you promise me you're gonna remember this forever? Yes. Forever? All right, perfect. I, I can move on then. If you, if you didn't, I'd have to start over. You know that, right? Okay, all right. Next slide, please. So I'm gonna read some scripture here and we're gonna talk about a few things and this is the part that may offend you. If it does, praise God. Marius, I'm offended. Right on. Let's, let's pray, let's gather around you. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. Helmet of salvation, right? You renew your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve that God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Second Corinthians 10.3, and we're gonna look at that whole scripture in detail. For though we live in a world, we don't wage a war as the world does. 
Why did Paul say this, the Apostle Paul? Why did he say this specifically to a church? It's because it's possible for believers to conform to the pattern of this world as opposed to letting the word of God renew their mind. It's very possible. And I'm gonna be talking about a few things and giving you some statistics here in the middle in a few minutes here. Um, As we look at society and as we look at the church, and as you know, there's a lot of churches these days, there's same-sex marriage is accepted, abortion, and they're, they're totally derailing off really what the Bible says a church should be, right? And sometimes we can sit and wonder, geez, why, why is this happening? Why are Christians being deceived? And it seems that in the last couple of years, it's been really getting off the rail, right? Am I right? Okay. So let me give you some statistics. If you were part of Take the Sword, you heard this before. If, you know, repetition is good, apparently, six times or seven times. You, I think Kent told me. What did you tell me, Kent? Seven times? Seven times. There you go. Sorry, I didn't mean to single out. Just I remember our conversation, that's all. So seven times it's good to, you know, hear things. So Christianity Today reported in an article published April 20th, 2022. So this is like a year ago pretty well, almost to the day. It said that 26 million people stopped reading the Bible since COVID started in the States. And you can go online, I read the article. The article was written by uh, the American Bible Society, which is renowned. And it's a survey they do every year to see how, you know, Americans are reading the Bible, if they are, and all that stuff, and percentage-wise. And they were so surprised by the numbers that they redid the survey. And then they explained how they redid it. And it came back to 26 million people. As soon as you said, shut down the churches, stay home, watch Netflix, and eat Doritos, they totally stopped. I'm guilty of that, too, so... (laughs) Trust me, I like my Doritos. (laughs) Anyway, so um, 26 million people stopped reading the Bible. Isn't that a beauty for the devil? 26 million people try, you know, who maybe at one time would use a sword of the spirit to battle, just drop the sword and say, that's it. I'm going to eat Doritos, watch Netflix, and I'm going to do this forever. Another statistic that's a lot, eh? To me, that's a lot of people, 26 million. Wish I had that kind of money, but anyway, that's a different story. 51 per, 51% of pastors hold a biblical worldview. That means that almost half the pastors today do not believe the Bible's the authority in their life. That's a lot. That's a lot of people living in deception Deceiving a lot of people, right? Barnes Research, and this one I remember Braden a few months ago used it also. 60% of Christians don't believe there's a devil, and the same percentage of Christians don't believe there's a hell. So, um, keeping that in mind, if I could tell you, stop using the Bible, it's useless. You don't need to use it every more anymore. And at the same time, there is no such thing as a devil, and there's no such thing as a hell, then why should you share the gospel? Right? Why should you share the good news? What what is the good news? There's no hell. And that's the state in a huge amount, or that's the state of a, a huge amount of people in the church today, if you want to call it the church, but anyway. And so it's no wonder that, you know, the world is like really derailing. Um, next slide, please. Romans 1.28, and if you know this chapter, you know, it's really, it talks about what's going on in here. And it, 
Romans 1.28, it says, they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. So, you know, you, you read the word of God, you retain his knowledge, right? So since they thought it's not, you know, why should I do that? God gave them over to a depraved mind. Isn't that what's happening today? A huge amount of people are not reading their Bibles. And, you know, eventually we're going to hit some good stuff there. I'm not, it's not I'm going to be downers. I'm not going to leave in five minutes and <laughs> you're stuck with this. We're gonna, it's going to be good in a few minutes. But we need to realize the word of God is no longer valuable today. And the enemy is the enemy doing it 100%. And, um, um, yeah, so... Let me tell you some things I've heard Christians say. Because um, a lot of Christians are no longer reading their Bible, so they're getting information elsewhere, right? Let me tell you places that I know Christians do is they'll go to the Gospel of Oprah. Right? The Gospel according to Oprah. Oh my God, is there a lot of Christians deceived with that one? They're gonna watch CNN, CBC, CTV, all the news networks, I can guarantee you none of them will promote Christianity. There are things going on in the world today. There are big things that God is doing today, and you'll never see them on the news. Crickets on the mainstream media, but anyway. So a lot of people are, are focusing and getting their information from there, but they will say, I still have faith in Jesus, and I still have faith in God. And I'll give you a couple examples that you know, I've heard people say as a pastor, and I've got to be careful, it's recorded, so I won't say names. Because, Marius, how come you? Anyway. One person said, Marius, can I talk to you? I said, sure. He said, uh, I watched on Oprah that, you know, like same-sex marriage is good because it's, it's real love. I said, really? And this person was trying to convince me that, you know, maybe I should change my tune on marriage, right? So we had a little conversation about that. I don't want to get into it, but anyway, it was a little heated. Another person came to me and said, um, actually, let me say it specifically here. My doctor told me that having an abortion is okay because the stem cells can be used for the help of other families. So if I get an abortion, I'm gonna help other people. And why do people think like that? Why do Christians think like that? Not you guys, you guys are perfect. <laughs> like, you guys are perfect, so, you know, I'm just talking to me. But why do Christians believe that? It's because they're stating their beliefs according to the pattern of this world, and all you gotta do is look around. Media, schools, commercials, conversations at work, you know, all that stuff. There's a pattern forming in this world today, right? And we see it. And if we're not, if we're focused and believing and listening to the pattern, our mind is not being transformed, it's being conformed to the pattern. And if we wonder why God is not operating in our lives, maybe we need to go back to where did I lose my first love? Because in Revelations, it talks about that, right? Jesus is saying, yeah, you're doing things all right, but this is what I have against you. You lost your first love. Getting, stopping reading the word of God, believing that the word of God is no longer the authority in your life, you'll lose your first love. And then everything gets dry and deceived and goes south from there. Amen? Good stuff, eh? Is it encouraging? We're going to get into the encouraging. I just had to get like the scales off our eyes and see really what's happening today. You must have something really, really, really powerful inside of you for the devil to want you to stop reading the Bible, get rid of your helmet of salvation, start believing other things. Amen? Because the day you decide to use the Bible, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, and start countering, attacking, and even pushing back darkness, the enemy is going to be scared. Amen? All right. With that, I'll take a drink of water. Like I said, I've been out of practice for a long time.
Next slide, please. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And isn't that what's happening today? Right? I, there's um, even what's going on in Florida. On the news, it makes it look like, you know, that there's bad protesters that are slandering Disney and, and, and all that. And it makes it sound like the protesters are bad. Do you know really what's going on? Anybody know? You have thousands and thousands of parents that are sick and tired of the society telling them how to bring up their children and the sexuality and all that stuff. So they're standing up for their rights because there's a bill they passed through saying that from now on the school is no longer going to teach sexuality. Because they're tired of telling a grade one, you can be a girl, you can be a boy today, you can be a cat if you want, here's a, a litter box. You know what I mean? Because that's what's going on. But the media is making it look bad. bad. These mostly Christian parents. Christians' parents that are standing up for their families. So anyway, that's just an example. You can't go by all that. Okay, um, and that's a perfect example of calling what's evil good and good evil. So we'll go into the next slide here. We're going to get really into the meat of this whole message here. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 6. And it says... For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, divine power, divine power, (laughs) to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I like what the King James says. It uses words like imagination and exalting itself. So that scripture is a, a mouthful, right? Like you really got to look at it one by one to understand what's happening. But this, this is the whole spiritual warfare that we go through every single day. Every single day. Let me give you an example here. Somebody doesn't like my sermon. <laughs> Sorry, Donna. I couldn't resist. <laughs> oh, I lost train of my thoughts here. Hang on. What was I thinking here? Okay. So I, I'm going to give you an example of a story. This is a true story. It breaks my heart. This, this lady is somebody that, you know, Charlene and I know. And... You know, one day you could be on a spiritual high, you could be, you feel the presence of God and the Holy Spirit is there. And the minute you start derailing, you can derail fast, right? Anybody derailed? I have. If I had another arm, I'd lift it up. I've derailed from God, trust me, I've derailed. By the way, I'm not preaching from a position of, look at me, I know all this stuff. It's from, you know, hitting my nose on the ground many, many times and lessons I've learned and lessons I've learned that work. That's why I'm here. I'm hoping, or I hope somebody would have done that with me 20, 30 years ago. I probably wouldn't have, you know, broke my nose so many times spiritually. This lady came up to me, somebody we love, and she said, Marys, can I talk to you in private? I normally don't, you know, talk to women in private by myself. I usually have Charlene with me, but she was about 10 feet away, so I felt safe. I felt safe. All I had to do was say, Charlene! She would have dove through, jump. Just joking. joking. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. So she, this lady, her husband cheated on her, and there's a sexual past, and I won't get into that. And these are people we love. Like I'm telling you, these are people we love. And she started sharing certain things. And I could tell she wanted to tell me something, but she didn't want to say it. So I said to her, what's the solution? You're, you're stuck. You're stuck in the mud here. What do you think you should do next? What, 
What's your next play? Is there something, you know, where should you go from here? And she said, well, I have decided that I'm gonna fight fire with fire. So I'm gonna commit adultery and I'm gonna sleep with somebody else in order to make my husband jealous. And I went, wow, really? So what caused you to get to this conclusion? Now get this, I didn't say it, but this lady was not part of our church. It was just a visitor that would come once in a while. And she said, well, people in my church, some ladies in my church that were counseling me or ministering to me or whatever, said that that would be the best solution in her church. So I think you know that I did not agree with that. And we had, and this again, this is somebody we love. <laughs> it's easy to say, oh, it's okay, go do your truth and pat people on the back, you know, and go and make them happy as long as they put money in the plate and, you know, it's easy to do that. It's different when you love somebody enough to bring truth into their life because you're seeing them starting to get burnt and you don't want them to get worse, right? So we had a conversation. That thing never happened. And praise God. I'll just leave it that that. So how did she get to that point? And is it possible for you and I to ever get to that point? I don't know about you. I'm made of flesh just like you. I cut myself. I bleed bread. If the word of God is no longer authority in my life, and if I don't do what the word of God says, and if I don't submit myself to Christ, and I start rebelling, and I start putting other priorities ahead of, of the Lord, I could fail that way too. Any one of us can. You know, so I did not look at that couple from a position of self-righteousness. I looked at them from a position of, God, I love these people. Let's get them back on track. And I, I believe they're, they are. Anyway, I won't say anything else about that. So I'm going to come back to the story as we go through the scripture that's on the screen here because I want to explain a few things. First of all, um, there are some specific words and specific points here. The scripture says that we cast down imaginations in the King James, arguments in the NIV, and I love different versions of the Bible because they complement each other, right? So it says that. We cast down thoughts, right? And I like the word imagination. I like the word argument. I think it's both. You ever have an argument in here? Right? I'm sure this lady had an argument in here. Should I cheat on my husband or not? Should I retaliate that way? Many of us have had arguments in our, our minds. And I, I like how the King James used the word imagination. Sometimes when you start focusing on the wrong things, your imagination takes off, right? Right? And then you start developing scenarios. You ever develop scenarios? You know, I'll use Michael. I like picking on Michael. He's my friend. So let's say Michael steps on my big toe. You know, and I go, he stepped on my big toe. He never even realized he did it, but he stepped on my big toe. And then I start dwelling on it. My toe hurts. I go to the hospital. I find out it's broken. No wonder it's so swollen. Now I'm really mad at Michael. Then I go to bed at night. That Michael, he doesn't like me. That's why he broke, stepped on my toe. He did it on purpose. And next thing you know, there's this big fight going on. Right in here, right? Yeah. Getting the point? Yeah. All right. So it's, there's a reason why Paul is saying this in Scripture. And it's funny that the Greek word, I like this word, is logisimos. I don't know if I pronounce it right. But the word logic is from that root word in Greek. Logisimos, logisimos, whatever. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. When you build scenarios and you let it fester long enough and you let the arguments fester long enough, they start to make sense, right? 
You can make sense of anything. You know, when she decided, that's it, I'm going to go, you know, find this whatever guy and sleep with him, in her head it made sense. Right? So it becomes logic. And that logic gets stronger and stronger the more you allow the imagination to fester. Right? Now you have a brick formed in your mind. Because the scripture talks about strongholds. And strongholds are bricks that we form in our mind. And we start building this stronghold around a sin, around a belief system that's not from God, a lot, a pain, something that happened in your life, a trauma. You build a stronghold and you start protecting it with bricks that are all lies, every one of them. But the thing about a lie, for the person that you know, believes this lie, the lie is the truth, right? So the only truth is what's in the word of God. So anything we get that we think is truth outside of the word of God, it may be truth if somebody paraphrases it. A lot of times it's a lie. Like the devil, when he went to Eve, he didn't say, oh, don't listen to God. He's full of baloney. He didn't say that. If he would have said that, she would have went, whoa, who are you? What did the snake say? Did God really say? Did God really say that? And then once she latched on to that, she starts to develop a little scenario in her head. She starts thinking of stuff and then says, you know what? That's true. Did God really say that? And then the next thing the devil says is he said that because he doesn't want you to be powerful like him. Right? And then she latches on to that. Huh, God doesn't want my good. But meanwhile, the whole thing, the whole reason was for their good. But you see how you develop scenarios and you now call good evil and evil good? Imaginations. All right, we'll move on to the next one. Can I move on? We're good? All right. Only five more to go. (laughs) I didn't even look at what time it is. Throw something at me if I speak too long. All right, strongholds. Strongholds are fortifications, and the purpose are designed to protect something. And I let the cat out of the bag earlier, saying it'll protect a lie, okay? And then when you put enough bricks around it, that lie becomes strong in your life. I remember working just briefly, my pastor many, many, many years ago was a prison minister in the Pembroke jail. And we would go there once in a while and do different things. And we'd bring chocolate bars and pop and play guitar and do different things. And uh, there was a lady we met. And she had, um, she had, sorry, she had a husband that beat her up really, really, really bad. Went to jail for it. And then went to the penitentiary in Kingston, which is the bigger, longer jail. So my pastor at the time had a relationship with her and knew her and he knew her past but in her wallet she kept a picture of her face 40 years prior this is how long this has happened so an older lady okay 40 years ago of when her husband beat her up and she would re- like bring this up all the time So, and he told her many, many times, as long as you keep that picture in your wallet and you relive the past and rebuild, you're never going to get healed. And she never, as far as I know, never did. And that's, any one of us can do that. Right? Amen? All right. So that's a stronghold. Stronghold is a a house of thoughts. I'm just going to mention a few things. It could be anger, lust, addiction, temptations, Patterns that are not from God, anger, bitterness, toxic relationships, evil thoughts towards people, groups, um, or say to yourself, I'll never succeed, I'm not good enough, I'm a failure, I'm this and I'm that, right? Does it sound familiar, any of these things? I did too much to be forgiven, I'm alone, I'll never amount to everything, nobody loves me, I can't trust anyone. 
And if we've entertained those thoughts and developed patterns in our own minds, we've built bricks in our lives that created strongholds around those, could be even a trauma, and then they stay permanently in our lives, and those will block the, uh, us hearing the words of God, and they will hinder our walk with the Lord, and we will feel distant thinking God abandoned us, but it's more the other way around. We need to come back to the Lord. Amen? All right. I'm not losing anybody, am I? No, we're good? We're good? All right. I'm good. So this is the good news. Part of the good news. We demolish arguments and every pretension. King James uses the word exalt for pretension. You ever have an argument, or sorry, not an argument, a conversation with somebody, and you say, my dad can run five kilometers in 20 minutes. And then the person right away will say, well, my dad can run five kilometers in 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Okay. I build, uh, this is a sandcastle I build. Well, my dad could build a bigger sandcastle than that. You ever have conversation with people like that? That's exalting yourself. That's like somebody's saying this, and you're trying to up one over. The enemy will always try. The devil, I'm going to call him the devil, because that's exactly what he is, will always exalt himself. Will say, God is saying this. Well, I'm going to say something better. Not necessarily better for you, better for me, but I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you it's better for you. That's exalting. So... When we take, when we demolish arguments and pretensions, when we start to demolish those, we're starting to break strongholds brick by brick by brick into our lives. That's why he's saying this here, okay? The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And then he says in verse 5, this is how you do it. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So everything we do, everything we say, everything we hear, everything we believe has a spiritual dynamic going on. There is no such thing as being idle in the kingdom of God. There's no such thing as saying, okay, I'm just going to take a pause. I tried it. I'm going to take a pause. You know, I just resigned pastoring. I'm not pastoring anymore. I don't have to listen to a million people's problems anymore. And I don't have to whatever, whatever, blah, 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 blah. You know how that goes. So I was building bricks in my own mind. I thought, if you were told me you're building bricks, no, I'm not. I'm just speaking the truth. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm building bricks. And then the thing about those bricks, emotions get attached. It's a little bit of unforgiveness start building scenarios, and I did that. And if you were to talk to me two years ago, and you'd say, you know, Marius, uh, you're gonna preach someday? I would tell you where to go. <laughs> no, I won't do that. We're being filmed, so I'm, no, I wouldn't do that. You know, I would tell you you're full of baloney, ever, okay? And that's what happens when we start. There's no such thing as pausing. You think you're pausing, you're, you're in a boat, and you stop going you know, against the current and moving up, and you, you shut off the motor, and you're not rowing, the boat's gonna go back. You may not think so, but you're going, geez, isn't that the pier I took off with a while ago? So there's no such thing as pausing. Every single day there's a battle. Everything we hear, we do, we think, we feel, we. Everything is, is in the spiritual realm. So we start listening to the wrong voices. We start believing the wrong things about us or other people. We're going to drift, and we're going to build bricks, and we're going to build uh, strongholds. Or if we decide to fight back, which is my next point, then we're going to demolish strongholds, and we're going to demolish lies in our lives, and we're going to discover the love of God, and we're going to discover the forgiveness of God. And then we hit a point saying, why was I ever thinking that way? That's what happens when God frees you. And it's not automatic. It takes, there's a part that we need to play here. So how do we get rid of that? 
the next point he says, it's, uh, um, sorry, I just lost something here. All right, there we go. Back on track. Conclusion and introduction. No, just joking. I got all my notes here. So we've demolished arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. This is where you're going to start having victory. You can have deliverance all you want, but if you don't apply what I'm talking about in your life, the woogly booglies are going to come back. Anybody that's in a deliverance ministry will tell you that's exactly what happens. There, I forget, Living Waters? What's the one in? Anyway, it doesn't matter. There was a ministry not far, that was known for that where we lived before. And the, the people that ran that ministry said the problem is not, you know, people getting delivered and set free and all that. It's maintaining their freedom afterwards. And a lot of times because they go back to their vomit, go back to their patterns of life, go back to other things, right? So they're not applying the word of God. So it says here, take captive every thought. We're almost done here. Or two more points. I have to make you feel good somehow. We take captive every thought. And a Roman soldier in those days, and I, I, I listened to somebody explaining it this way, and it was really good. Soldiers would have different types of swords and daggers and spears and all that. But when you took a, a prisoner captive, you would take the long spear and you would put it right there underneath the chin, the soldier, and say, okay, this is what you're gonna do. And if you're a prisoner, you're not gonna do much. You got the spear right there. You're not gonna say much, because you got the spear right there. That's taking captive, captive prisoner, that's taking captive every thought. That means regardless of what's going on in your life and in my life, and trust me, I've had bad things happen to me just like bad things has happened to you. The worst thing we could do is entertain thoughts and build bricks. The healing comes when we decide one day, I'm gonna stop building bricks and I'm gonna start taking captive every thought. So if a thought comes to my mind that Michael stepped on my toe on purpose, and he hates me, then I take that thought captive. And then what do I do with that thought? I bring it to Christ. Lord, is that really how Michael feels? And you start praying, and you get that dialogue going. If you need to get into the word, you get into the word. And trust me, you do that, bricks will start disappearing in your life. They're gonna start falling down to the point where the only thing left will be that lie. And once the bricks are gone, that lie is flick it out. And healing comes. And that's part of it. That's a big, huge part of it. So the day we decide to take every thought that comes into our mind, we know if you have a good thought, I'm praising Jesus today, I'm, uh, I'm gonna bless my pastor, I'm gonna encourage somebody today, those are good thoughts. So you know the answer would be, it's good thoughts. But if a thought comes into your mind and you're going, hmm, is this from God or not? Take it captive before it builds anything, submit it to Christ and go from there. Amen? All right. Take captive every thought because any thought that you don't take captive, now get this, any thought you don't take captive will take you captive. And a brick is gonna, whether you think you're on pause, I'm gonna stop fighting, you ever have a schoolyard fight? Who has schoolyard fights? Come on, Michael, put two hands up, Michael. I know your stories. You know, you have a, I had a fist fight playing soccer, baseball, remember that sport, soccer, baseball? Anyway, and you're safe. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're out, whatever. And next thing you know, big fist fight, me and this other guy. And there was no pausing. I mean, if I would have paused, I would have had three or four good blows, right? There's no pausing in the kingdom. You know, as long as we're alive on earth, there's a spiritual battle until we're in the presence of Jesus. So really, let's start learning to take thoughts captive. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> 
And we take those things, those thoughts captive, and we make it obedient to Christ. And like I said earlier, is what does Jesus have to say about that? This morning, I, I changed a few things. I'm finished, like my papers are done. <laughs> Poor Lori, she was so gracious. I changed a few things. Um, can you put the next slide up, please? Ah, oh, praise God. All right. So we're going to read this. I had, anyway, it doesn't matter. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, and that's a habit and a pattern we need to develop in our own lives, receive the word of God, um, which you've heard from us, because you can hear the word, you can read the word, okay? Um, You accepted it. And if we have trouble accepting the word of God, we need to go figure out why. Anybody not feel like reading their Bibles? That's happened to me. Yeah. You go to read the Bible, and you'd rather just give it a kick in the corner, and I've been there spiritually. So we need to accept it. Accept the fact that it's the word of God, and it's truth. And not as human words, so it's not Oprah. It's not, you know, Facebook or whatever. But it's actually the word of God which is indeed at work in you and I who believe. So we really need to get into a point where we start believing that the word of God has 100% complete authority in our lives, that it is powerful, that it is living and active, that it is a double-edged sword, and I like that analogy of double-edged sword because you know there's like one edge of the sword when the enemy throws darts at you, it cuts them before they even touch you. And you get swinging that sword. You're a loser. No, this is what the Bible has to say about that. You're not safe. This is what the Bible has to say about that. And you develop scripture in your heart. And it starts coming up. And if you have to read the verses over and over again, you do it until it becomes real inside of you. That's starting to use your weapons. The other edge of the sword, it's like... If a dart hits you, I believe the other edge of the sword is a healing edge. It becomes a scalpel like a surgeon. And it goes into your heart and starts carving out the damage that the enemy has done. Anybody had that before? You did something really stupid and then you feel bad. As long as you feel bad and you don't get into the word, the enemy loves that because you're just gonna feel bad and bad and badder. Is that a word, badder? you're gonna feel worse, right? When you start getting into the word of God and you start seeing, talking about forgiveness and repentance, the real repentance, not Hollywood's version of repentance, which is whipping yourself, is when you change your mind saying, I no longer wanna live this way, I wanna live that way. When you start developing that and you use the word of God, then you start putting on your helmet of salvation. Your helmet of salvation becomes real you're swinging your sword of spirit, and the enemy flees. Right? Right? Yeah, everybody knows that scripture. Um, Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine says, Jesus replied, and he has a conversation with his disciples. They ask him a, a question about marriage and if a husband dies and all different things. And Jesus just cut him off. You know? It's not that he had bad questions is their mindset was not on the word of God, was not on the things of God. And he says, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures. And that's not just what he said. And the power of God. The power of God that is in scriptures in your life and in my life. Amen? All right, next slide, please. We only got one more slide after this and we're done. And that's the truth, all right? I promise. Let the mess, Colossians 3.16 says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs, the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And the part I want you to catch here is letting the word 
dwell in you richly. There's a season in my life where I thought my marriage was done, I thought I was losing my family, I thought, that's it, I'm on my own, I'm gone, I was still in the military back then. I thought it was over. And there was one scripture that I read, and I don't believe I read it by accident, I believe God brought that scripture to me. There's Proverbs 4.23. And in the NIV it says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And I studied and dissected that verse. I read it every single morning. It became part of me. The King James says the issues of life, you know, different versions. And that verse became part of me. And the, the more and more I studied about the heart and what, why you should guard your heart, and it's gonna be next week, so I'm not gonna say it. The more I did that, the more it healed something within me. After that, after I, instead of me saying Charlene's fault and Amber's fault and Daniel's fault and try to blame all sorts of people around me, when I received that revelation, the love of God just flooded me. And it was through the word of God because the word of God is spirit. And when, it doesn't matter if you're reading a verse that talks about whatever, okay, some weird verse about cutting people's heads in the Old Testament, You're reading the word of God. And when you're reading the word of God, you're opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit. And don't be surprised if you start getting revelations of other scriptures to go to, and then God starts healing something in your life. You ever experienced that? The word of God is living and active. It does something. The word of using the word of God in our lives is the only way to battle the enemy when he comes at you. Yes, Sometimes we need deliverance. Yes, sometimes we need a friend to confess things to and, and you pray and all that stuff. That all happens. But as long as we don't use the God, no, no God, the word of God that way, all of that could be in vain because we'd be right back to our vomit. Right? Amen. All right. Next slide, please. Until an opportune time. Remember the story of Jesus being in the wilderness, right? Everybody knows that story, right? And he got tempted three times. And part of that scripture, it says that Jesus was hungry. And then the enemy came and attacked. Let me say, the enemy, when he attacks you, yes, he can attack you when you're spiritually strong, but he's gonna attack you when you're down because he doesn't play fair. And if you're down, and if you're hungry, and if you feel weak, and if you feel vulnerable, that's when he's gonna come in full pin. That's when we need to use the word of God. So Jesus, three times the enemy tried to tempt him, and three times Jesus used what? The sword of the spirit, the word of God. So he used the word of God to fight back the devil. Don't you think that's an example for us? I mean, If Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one that died on the cross for your sins and my sins, used the word of God, and it's in the Bible right now for you you and I to read at any time, used the word of God to repel the devil from his life, shouldn't we do that? Isn't that our own attitude that we should have? Anything else will, will fail. So Jesus used the word of God, and the enemy left. But the enemy left until an opportune time. So the devil, you know what I mean? You could be strong today. You could be using the word of God to fight today. But if tomorrow you say, I'll just lay my sword down and put my feet up, watch the Netflix for three or four days, eat Doritos. I fought yesterday, I'll be all right. I can guarantee you spiritually there's a lot of little woogly booglies that are gonna try to enter your mind, right? I'm using woogly booglies, but... So he's gonna wait for an opportune time to come back. That's why we gotta be on our guard all the time. That's why we gotta be dressed. Every morning you get dressed, you know, you've heard many stories and teachings and sermons and and Sunday school stuff about this. Every time we gotta get dressed because the enemy is gonna always try to find a way to come back. 
I like the analogy of the GPS. You know, we all have GPSs, or most of us, anyway. What happens when you disobey the GPS and you decide to go gas up? Right? Recalculating. Recalculating. And then you say, hmm, I think I'll go to Burger King there. That looked pretty good before I hit the road again. And you take a detour. You get to Burger King, and then it's yelling at you, saying, you're not listening to me. Recalculating. Turn left here. Turn left here. Turn left here. You're still not listening. The devil's always going to recalculate. You start obeying God, and he wants you to go down a certain route, but you start obeying God and use the word of God, you know, and, and you, you keep going on the path that God has chosen for you. He's always going to come back and try to make you recalculate. But once you get good at using the sword of the spirit and you got the helmet of salvation on your head and you're saying, I'm saved. Jesus loves me. He died on a cross for my sins and you start building truths into your own life. The devil can recalculate all he wants. You're still going to go on the right path. 